We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. IB Nation, welcome back to another episode, another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. It is Wednesday, February 8th. We're now eight days away from my wife and nephew's birthdays, Ryan, so I got to start getting getting going on some planning and some shopping here real quick. But today, we're going to kind of do things a little bit different, Ryan, and we're going to kind of somewhat introduce sort of a new format for our Wednesday, Wednesday shows moving forward. And what we're going to do is we're going to kind of make them be a little bit like our midweek mailbag which I have at Irish Breakdown. We're going to take, you know, three or four different topics, you know, sometimes maybe only two or three, depending on how busy or not busy it is. We'll take a Notre Dame team topic or two. We'll take a recruiting topic or two. And then we'll take, you know, sometimes we'll take a college football topic as well and just kind of talk about each one. So instead of like an hour long show on a topic, we'll just kind of break it down into, you know, some 15, 20 minute long segments. And then we'll have a mailbag at the end. And so that's what we're going to do today, Ryan. We're going to talk a little recruiting and then also a little, <clears throat> pardon me, a little bit about uh, some some NFL draft stuff regarding Notre Dame players, and, and we'll, we'll start there. But just a reminder that we will be doing a mailbag, so throw your mailbag questions in there. Super Chats will obviously be put, put at the top of the list. And today, Ryan, we're going to talk, as we said, we're going to talk about some of the new, uh, recruiting-wise, we'll talk about some of the new offers that have gone out. We'll talk about guys that are setting up visits already uh, right now. Notre Dame and the rest of college football is in a bit of a, I believe it's a, I don't know if it's a dead period or quiet period, but right now guys can't be on campus. It's a dead period so, right now. Right. Yep. So that's why you're not seeing a whole lot of, a uh, lot of information coming out and a whole lot of contact, but kids are starting to set up visits when those ramp back up. Notre Dame is getting obviously closer and closer to spring ball when our workouts are, <clears throat> are rocking and rolling. So have information and stuff on that as we, as we get it. And then Friday, we're actually going to get a chance to meet with Sam Hartman, uh, uh, Javante Jean-Baptiste, Thomas Harper, and Caleb Smith uh, when they make the transfers available to the media. So that'll, that'll be fun. So our, our Friday show is going to actually be pushed back a little bit because I'll be at that uh, meeting with those guys. So our mailbag on Friday will be pushed back a little bit. But you know, so we we'll have a lot of this stuff. So I think this will be a, a fun format, Ryan, on, on Wednesdays and just kind of taking a little bit, just some quick hitters. It's one of the things that we're looking to do, and there's a few other things that we're going to be adding to the uh, the CFB Nation channel and the Irish Breakdown channel. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Ryan, I want to begin some NFL draft, NFL draft news related to Notre Dame, and that is that the NFL released the 319 players that were invited to the NFL scouting combine. Now, this is kind of a big deal because I think I read, I thought I saw on Twitter today that last year only 32 of the players that were drafted, which is basically a round, an early round, it's not even a full later round because with all the compensation picks, only 32 players got picked last year that weren't at the combine. So now I think it was like, I think the tweet also said, I'd, I'd have to see who it was from. This isn't information that I gathered or research I did. It's it's a tweet I saw from a reputable NFL source. There was something like 80 or 90 um, uh, different guys that were uh, drafted that didn't get invited to the combine. Or I mean, that were at the combine that didn't get drafted, excuse me. Sure. But there was only 32 guys that didn't get invited. So there were four Notre Dame players invited, Ryan. Well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to list those players and we'll kind of go through each guy and just kind of what awaits them, what at the combine. Then we'll talk about a couple of the guys that weren't invited. One was not overly surprising and, and one was for me anyway. And so we'll, we'll dive into that a little bit as well. So, Ryan, the four players that were invited to the combine for Notre Dame, these were not surprises was obviously Michael Mayer and Isaiah Foskey. Or tight end Michael Mayer, defensive end, edge Isaiah Foskey, offensive lineman Jarrett Patterson, and safety Brandon Joseph. So Notre Dame will have four guys. It's a smaller group for two reasons. One is there was a couple guys I thought might get combine invites that didn't, especially one in the secondary. And number two, Notre Dame doesn't lose a lot of players from last year's team, yeah. uh, especially offensively. So you're not going to have a lot of guys in the draft when a lot of guys are coming back. Cam Hart decided to come back. Obviously, Notre Dame started eight sophomores in the bowl, true sophomores in the bowl game. So not a lot of those guys are eligible to come out. A lot of the veteran players, I mean, Braden Lindsay's not coming back. He chose not to participate, and and he's not going to pursue a professional football career. But other than that, all the running backs come back. All the other receivers come back that played this year. Uh, And obviously, defensively, 
a lot of guys come back. Cam Hart decided to come back. So Notre Dame's in a situation where a lot of the guys that might have been here are back. So let's focus, however, on the guys that will be, and and we'll kind of I want to hear from you in regard to why this combine process matters for them. And we'll begin with Michael Mayer, who right now is projected almost a can almost a, I think a consensus from what I've seen first round pick. But what uh, what can the combine mean for Michael Mayer, Ryan? Well, I think it's time to dispel some stereotypes that have kind of been parlayed upon a guy like a Michael Mayer. There's an assumption out there that he is not athletic. That's kind of what we've been thrown. That's what has been thrown out there. That's why you're seeing guys like Luke Musgrave get, get, you know, mocked in the first round at this point from reputable people, right? Like the guys like Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks and those guys, like they have legitimate NFL sources. So they're getting fed this information, right? So you're seeing Luke Musgrave, you're seeing Dalton Kincaid, you're seeing Michael Mayer consistently, but for some of those guys, I mean, he's the second or third tight end drafted. And I think that that is because Michael Mayer is being stereotyped as this low ceiling tight end, high floor for sure, that doesn't bring a massive athletic upside to the table. I, of course, have been very consistent on this show. I disagree with it because I think that there's a different type of athleticism for one. Is Michael Mayer going to go to the combine and run the four fives? No, he's not going to do that. But I think he has an opportunity to check some boxes as far as the athleticism. And I so I think that the athletic testing can be overblown for some players because it's more about just meeting with the teams and just kind of checking the medicals and doing all that type of stuff. Michael Mayer is not going to have any medical issues that we know of, right? Like he is a healthy player relatively throughout the entirety of his Notre Dame career. I believe he's going to check the boxes from the off the field perspective, be able to talk to those scouts and evaluators and general managers and be able to sell himself as a person, as a hard worker, as a player. But the athletic testing is going to be big for him because if he's able to go to Indianapolis and run a good 40, have explosive jumps, be able to change direction well, do the position drills well, I think Michael Mayer has the opportunity to solidify himself for what I think he is, and that's the best tight end in the 2023 draft handedly. Because I think that people want to paint these other players as in the same tier or maybe even a tier above because they might have a higher athletic upside. But again, I think that people just don't quite understand that a 40-yard dash time is not the epitome of athleticism, right? There's different types of athletes. Is Michael Bayer going to win in different ways than a Luke Musgrave, for instance? Sure is. Is he going to win different ways than a Kyle Pitts? Sure is. It doesn't make it, though. There's not one way to win. There's not one way to be successful. I think Michael Mayer, though, can go to Indianapolis and showcase that, yeah, I might not be the 4-5 athlete at tight ends, but I am plenty athletic enough to be a darn good football player on the next level. That's what he has an opportunity to do for me. If you had to predict, Ryan, what just yeah. isn't what you're hearing. I'm just curious what you would predict. Because last year there was some really strange – like we heard a lot of reports from yeah. scouts and people that – train. because basically at this point in time you really can't it's, – it's getting so hard to trust sources in this, in this type of industry because you're in like, oh, no, no, he's running consistent four threes. I'm about Kyle Hamilton. Remember that? We're talking to people that were involved in his training. Tra- and then he runs trainers, out runs trainers are the worst in that department, man. I mean, it's even like, – why? There, there right. was a guy that was working with a bunch of TCU players a few years ago. It was when, like, Jalen Rager came out and then the corner that came out. For, I forget his name. But they were like – he was telling like, they're going to run four threes. And then Jalen Rager ran and ran, like, four four seven. I mean, it's right. still a good time, but, like, it's not right. four three. You know what I mean? Like, right. it's not. So – yeah, it's it's. Uh, I just don't see that how that helps those players because all it did it was Kyle Hamilton was create issues. 
Yes. Right. Because because see what happened was if you'd be like, hey, you know, he's not going to run a great 40 time, but he's going to leap. He's going to because he did all those things very well. Yep. But you set this standard for he was going to run this number and then it didn't happen. We heard the same thing about Kyron Williams. And, you know, so it's hard to it's hard to trust sources. I'm just going to ask you, what do you think? Because because let's let's say a couple of things. Number one is nobody runs as fast. when they're in pads or in a uniform during the season as they do at the combine these guys are training to run the fastest possible time right so combined with what you've seen from michael mayer and then the work he's putting in with a trainer what do you kind of project would be a, a range that he can run and what what is the what is the kind of the range he needs to make sure he gets into to somewhat dispel those things not just from a 40 time, but but I, I think also from an explosiveness numbers, the change of direction. I think all those things are because I would even argue that the 40 time will be important for him. But I would say the shuttle could, it, could and, and some of those other change of direction drills could even be more important for Mayor because that's where a lot of the stuff comes from about he doesn't get out separate. He doesn't get out of breaks as quickly. He doesn't have get as much separation. That's as much about the 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 20 yard, the, 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 what is it? They have to do the 16, the, the 20, right? Yep. The 20 yard shell in the 16. 20, 16 and three cone. Yep. Right. So, you know, now last year, a lot of guys didn't run. Was it the three cone that a lot of guys bailed out of? <laughs> yes. Right. Because of the stupid way that the NFL did. Actually, it'll be a question here in a minute too. Yeah. So, um, but what do you kind of predict that he'll run? And then what do you think is the range he has to fall into in order to, to, to maybe eliminate some of those questions? I think the over under would probably get set at about like four, seven, three, somewhere in that ballpark, you know, like give or take a hundredth of a second. I think that for me personally, as long as he's in the four sevens, like I'm cool, man. Like I don't need to see him again. I don't need to see him run incredibly fast. Cause I know that's not necessarily how he wins. I don't need to see that. I will say this though. If he runs four, seven flat or better, it's a really good time, right? If he runs four, seven flat is as big as he is, is well, Built as he is, I think that would be an incredible time because I kind of, I kind of compare him a little bit athletically, Brian. To like we've seen Mark Andrews, a guy that come out that I think wins in similar ways. We've seen Jason Witten; those guys were high four six type of athletes. Like they were like four six nine, four six eight. If Michael Mayer runs something in that ballpark, I think you just check your box and you keep moving. I mean, to your point though, like I want to see a good 20 yard shuttle. I want to see a good broad jump. Like that's the one that I really want to see. If, if Michael Mayer doesn't jump that high in the vertical, I don't really care that much, man. Cause he's got that big body, big frame. He could box out the broad jump though, for me. And, and people ask this question all the time. What, what, what test really parlays to NFL success the most across the board? For me, it's the broad jump. That one is what, because that shows lower body explosiveness and the, the, just to pop out in the through the hips. So I want to see him do well in that drill. I want to see him do well in the change of direction stuff. And I just want him to check a box in the 40 time. If he runs the four sevens, I'll be fine with it. If he runs four seven eight, though, a lot of people's yeah. narratives are not going to change at all. So if he yeah. runs anything four seven flat or better, it's a fantastic time for him. It really would be. Well, I'm also yeah. interested to see what he comes in at because he played 265. Right. I imagine he'll be more in the 255-ish range when he gets to Indianapolis. But that's just kind of my that's my speculation on it. TJ Hawkinson, I think, was the last tight end to go in the top 10, I believe. Yeah. And he, he ran, ran a 47 flat. flat. Yeah. But here's the thing I was going to point out to your point about the change of direction. He ran a 418 shuttle, which is really good for a 250. And he was he did that at 251. Yeah. So if Mayer can be around a four-two shuttle in the low four sevens forty, I think those would be good times. They're not going to blow you away times, so but I think those are more about okay. I can 
trust the film a little bit more yep. now than I would if he comes out and runs a four seven eight or something like that, right? I think that's the question mark that people have. Yeah, Isaiah Foskey, Ryan, what does he need to show to combine? Because well, he he did had a solid solid week at the Senior Bowl. You know, did some yeah. good things and some not so good things. Confirmed some of the things we've talked about, and that he doesn't really have a secondary move. Yes. But what does he need to do at the combine to kind of get himself back into that? Maybe that day one, early day two conversation. Yeah. I I think that for me, Foskey needs to blow the place up as far as as the explosiveness stuff, right? It would be great if Isaiah Foskey went to the combine and ran a three cone and he ran a really nice time. Like that would be fantastic. I don't necessarily expect that, though, because one, I don't think that he'll run a three cone just in general based upon what we've seen in recent years, because I think Isaiah Foskey and the trainers are going to be focused on the 40 time, the broad jump, the vertical jump. Those things are all similar because they're all linear explosive things. Right. So let's focus on that. And then when we get to the pro day. For the next few weeks before the pro day, you're going to be doing nothing but the change of direction stuff, right? So I don't expect him to do any of that change of direction stuff at the combine. But what I expect him to do, because how does Isaiah Foskey win, Brian? Like these ver- these these athletic tests are always, for me, a verification. Because when I watch Isaiah Foskey I pl- play, I say, you are incredibly long and you are a very explosive football player. So what parlays to showing off that explosiveness? A good 40 time, mostly a 10-yard split, though. That's what I'm more worried about. What's the 10-yard split off of the off of the out of the stance? And then what are what's the broad jump? What's the vertical jump? I want to see those things because that's how Isaiah Foskey wins. I don't think people should expect Isaiah Foskey to run this blazing three cone because I watch him and I'm just like, that's not he's not an outside track winner with bends. Like that's not really what he wins. But you need to blow the place up in the term in the ways that you win. So 40 time, 10-yard split. And the broad jump and vertical jump, those things are all linearly explosive uh, explosive testing. And I think Isaiah Foskey needs to do that really well because, that's again, that's how he wins at the next level, in my opinion. It, but, of course, if he does do well in those other testing times, that only helps him because then it may make me think as a coach, well, hey, he's got the athleticism in him. Maybe there's some tools that I can work with. There's something that I can work with. Whereas if he yeah. if he doesn't run great times, it's just like, well, that's just who he is athletically. Then you kind of put him in a box. Yes. And and I think that doesn't necessarily help him, in my opinion. Everybody lost their minds about Trayvon Walker's 40 time and stuff last year. I will say this. The thing that helped him the most was the three cone and the shuttle that he ran. He ran some stupid times for a 275-pound guy. And if you watch him on film – He's a lot like Isaiah in the sense that he is a speed-to-power converter. You don't see him turning corners a ton, but the Jacksonville Jaguars see him run this crazy three-cone time where you're like, oh, maybe there's a little more in there than we originally thought. Maybe he's a little more flexible. Maybe he could do a little bit more. So anytime you can show that you there might be potential to be more, it's fantastic. But I think the baseline for Foskey is that those explosive tests, you need to do those things well because that's how you had 26 and a half sacks during your career. That's why. Speaking of Trayvon Walker, he had a six eight nine in the three cone shuttle, which is like wide receiver, running back. You know, like Kevin. I it's, think Kevin Austin last year had one of the best uh, three cone drills at the combine, and he was. I think he was in the seven eights. I believe he might have even been low six nine. I think he was like six six something, if I remember correctly. Kevin had six a, seven a one. Okay, six, six seven one, one yeah. and then a four one five. Uh, but I mean, there's been some some really good athletes that have had that have been in the six eights. That's a really good time 
a really good time. It's so an it, it's, it's an it's an alien number, man. Guys that big aren't supposed to be running those times. Like it's just it's right. it's very uncommon, which is why, again, right or wrong, that's why Trayvon Walker went number one overall because of that perceived athletic upside. Yeah. Let's go to Jarrett Patterson, Ryan. I mean, look, I, I think the on-field stuff is going to be obviously something that we'll discuss, but I think the biggest thing for Jarrett Patterson is going to be what happens before he works out. How do the medicals right. check out? How do the how do the interviews check out? I think of all the guys here, I would I would say I would argue that he's got the most to gain from what happens before they even start working out at the combine. No, no doubt, medicals are by far the biggest thing for Jared Patterson. I expect, and honestly, Brian, you make a great point because when he sits down in those meetings, people are going to ask him, Jared, it seemed like you didn't get a ton better during your last couple of years, right? You kind of leveled off a little bit. What's the reason for that, right? Is it just that fact that you dealt with some durability issues? Was it switching from center to guard your final year? Like what's the reason for that, right? So I think that that conversation matters, but nothing outweighs the medicals for Jared Patterson. Because, I mean, again, the NFL still likes Jared Patterson. There's a reason that he got invited to the Senior Bowl. He wasn't great during Senior Bowl week, in my opinion. I thought he was very up and down. I thought there was more downs than ups, to be completely transparent, right? But I still think you saw some upside with Jared. And there was a reason that he was once thought of as a guy that maybe could be a top 50 type of pick. Like there's, there's, that's the reason that he was there, at least a top 64 type of pick. Ryan, there's a lot of people mocking him in the first round a year ago. I mean, yep. not a year ago. I mean, before, like after Two the years last ago. year's draft. No, yeah. no, this past year, because there was one draft. Uh, I'm talking about like, meaning not a year ago, because there weren't mock drafts for this draft a year ago. But after sure. last year's draft, there were mock drafts coming out from reputable people that had four Notre Dame kids going in the first round. Yep. You know, it was Foskey, Brandon Joseph, Mayer, and then Jared Patterson, right? Yep. And so he's fallen quite a bit. He has fallen. He has fallen. And I, I think that the the fall obviously is, you know, he he gutted it out. He had an okay season this year, but it wasn't a great season. It wasn't. And it was a tough transition. I get that. But you need to flash the upside that you have that people still think is there. Because I still think that there's upside with Jared Patterson. I do. If I was an NFL team that could be patient with Jared Patterson – if I was an offensive line coach, I would love to work with the kid, man, because I think that he's going to test well for his position. I think he's going to, you know, every drill that he chooses to do outside of maybe the bench press, like I actually even he's got shorter arms, so maybe even even be a decent bencher, honestly. But I think the movement stuff, he'll look good. I think he'll look good in the positional drills when he's asked to pull out in space and do a lot of type of stuff. Like I think he'll do fine on the field. But the the core of what is important for Jared Patterson is you need to have a clean bill of health, man. And you need to have your body be in a state where guys are like, I'm not worried about him breaking down in three years. Because, I mean, offensive line, their bodies take a toll, man. I was just talking to a former offensive lineman at the Division One level that he tried to play uh, USFL ball last year, and his body just broke down. Like, it happens quickly. So I think, Jared, not only just check out that you're healthy now, your body also needs to check out that, like, hey, I can take the grueling nature of playing NFL football for the foreseeable future. Can you finish a first contract? That's the things that Jared needs to answer. And, I mean, I think you said it perfectly. The things that happen before and after the the athletic testing is far more important for Jared Patterson during Indianapolis week. Last one is Brandon Joseph, Ryan. This is one of the biggest enigmas in the Notre Dame draft for me because – I know you love his film from 2020 and been kind of waiting now two years to see that film again. I think we saw it twice this year, in my opinion. 
We saw it Ohio, against Ohio, Ohio State. State, Syracuse. Yeah. Bingo. Yeah. Yep. But we didn't see a lot of it. No. So I'm very he's a very interesting case for me. I'm I think the interviews and all that stuff is going to be important for him, but he needs to get some momentum back, Brian. And I think the best way for him to do that is to rocket at the combine. I don't know if he's going to do it or not. I have no clue. But I think he he's probably him he's second to me on the guy who has a chance to gain the most momentum back with on-field drills at this event. I, I would make that yeah. case. I think Fo- I mean Foskey can help himself for sure. I would but I don't think Foskey's lost as much momentum as as Brandon Joseph has. No. Not close. I hit mean, the full scope of Brandon Joseph is like all important, man. It's funny, you know, cuz I mean he even dealt with some nagging injuries this year a little bit, right? So like, yeah, let's check the medicals real quick, make sure that's all good. But the two biggest thing for him easy, Brian, is one, if I'm an NFL evaluator, if I'm a scout there in Indianapolis, I want to sit down with Brandon Joseph and they ask point blank questions. And my point blank question would be, Brandon, you look like you were going to be a first round pick after 2020. That's what you looked like. 2021, 2022, you weren't that guy, man. Why weren't you that guy? Tell me why you weren't that guy. I want to know. Why in your one season at, at Notre Dame did you have two good, really good games and then you were pretty much disappeared the rest of the season? Those questions need to be asked and they need to be answered. And Brandon, from an interview prep perspective, needs to be honest. And he needs to have those answers to those questions. They matter tremendously. So that's a big point. And I think the other thing, Brian, is I was never on the – the. I mean, we've talked about his athleticism overall, right? I was always more in the – and I, you would definitely agree with this – is that he's more smooth than he is incredibly athletic, right? Correct. Like he's a smooth kid. He's a smooth mover. He's not going to go run a 4-3, though, 4-4. I don't like, think that's so, no. Yeah. I, I think he's, range, he's, he's more Kyle Hamilton than he is – you know, a guy that's going to go put up great speed numbers. Exactly. I mean, yes, I would say that's very accurate. And even for me, like I want to see the short area stuff and I want to see him, what he looks like in the positional drills. Like I want to see how smooth his hips are. I want to see how quickly he can get out out of his pedal. Those are things I want to see. The 40 time, like as long as you're four, five high, four, six flat, like I don't care that much, man. Cause like, it just isn't that pertinent to me, right? I care about his change of direction stuff because the best of Brandon Joseph during his career is good eye discipline, and then he's able to get in and out of his breaks quick and able to open up and run. Those are the best things, right? That's where the range comes from. So I don't care about so much that, you know, you run a fast 40, you vertical 42 inches. Like, I don't care about that. As long as they're solid numbers and you look good in the positional drills and you change direction well and your hips look smooth, that's a win for me from Brandon Joseph. But more than anything, I really think those interviews are massive for Brandon Joseph. I mean, he's got a, he's got some questions that he has the answer because he was out in Las Vegas for the East-West Shrine game, Brian. I'll be honest. like I didn't really watch the game much. I didn't watch the week of practice much, but I didn't hear his name at all, all week. And that's not a great thing for me all the time, you know? Like, his buzz I mean, matters. I mean, yes. you, it, maybe it shouldn't, but buzz matters. I mean – Hey, I saw so and so. He really looked good. Oh man, let me check. Let me go back in and dive in the film and look yes. at him. That stuff matters, man. We how many times have you and I seen a guy come out of the senior bowl just with tons of buzz? Exactly. And he just keeps going up and up and up the draft boards. I mean, yep. we've seen it with Notre Dame. I mean, Zach Martin was a guy that was battling to get into the first round. For what I remember correctly, was more probably an early, early second round guy coming out of Notre Dame. But he dominated the entire week, the senior bowl, and the buzz just kept growing and growing and growing. And all of a sudden, bam, number 16 overall pick. Yep. And those things help. 
You know, I mean, I don't, I don't know if Quint, I mean, I mean, maybe Quentin Nelson would have still been a top ten pick, Ryan, but it didn't hurt that he went to the Senior Bowl and dominated at the Senior Bowl, right? And then now all of a sudden you're talking about the first lineman off the board. So, sure, uh, I, I think that stuff matters. So when you're you go to an event and you don't stand out, that that's gonna like like with Foskey, for example, yeah, he had some really bad reps, yes, but he also had some reps. You're like, okay, yeah, that's right. something I can work with, right? And and uh, you say as a coach, especially as a position coach, like, look, this guy, I can I can work with this guy. He's 100%. big, he's long, he's powerful. He shows me some really flashy plays. I I think I can get some out of. Him. But when a guy when it like the last thing you want to be called at is Ryan is you say it just just a guy, just a guy, just a guy. It's yep, the last it, thing you want to be labeled as. You want you'd rather be Fosky than that. Where hey, look, this guy's really raw and and, and he's inconsistent. He maybe, but man, he's got some tools I can work with. Yep. You don't want it to be like another, especially the skill position, because I'll take a shot on a guy that's I mean, here's where the last two years of film hurts him, Ryan. If the last two years of film would have looked like his 2020 year and he wasn't really a great athlete, then people would say, man, but there's some really good film to work with. But he's a good football player. Right. right exactly. But if, if you're if you've got two years of n- not great film and then you're not sent out athletically, I'm going to take a flyer on the, the guy that ran the four three. Right. Than, than the guy who, but if I have a guy that's got great film, this is what helped Alohi Gilman. Yep. Alohi Gilman had really good change of direction numbers. This 40, he ran a 4.6. He's a 5.10 guy that ran a 4.6 at the combine. He got drafted and he's now playing a bunch in the NFL. Why? Because the film was phenomenal. It was very good. For right. Him. Yep. And he got his role on special teams. You know, he, hey, he was on every special teams. And then that has built into a role where, let's be real, Alohi was drafted to be a special teams guy. 100%. And he has become a, a part of their sa- defensive back rotation because he's just a really good football player. Yeah. Unfortunately, Brandon doesn't really have that. He didn't yeah. play a ton of special teams for Notre Dame this year. You know, he was banged up a lot. There's just not that level of film that you look at and say, boy, this guy's got some great film. You'd have you have to go all the way back to the COVID year. And and I'm I'm I would be willing to bet you there's a lot of scouts or at least some scouts and decision makers who are going to be like me that yeah. look at film from 2020 with an asterisk. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, no, that, that 100% happens. I, I've had people ask me, about, and this was a conversation with the Derek Stingley stuff last year, was people kept looking back to 2019, and I'm like, yeah, man, 2019 still happened, but it doesn't matter anymore, right? Mm-hmm. Who you are this year matters. What happened last year matters more than what you did three years ago at this point. That doesn't matter as much. So, yeah, NFL scouts are going to take much more – they're going to care much more about what did 2021 look like? What did 2022 look like? And the worst part about it for Brandon Joseph is, again, 
the fact that I didn't hear much about him during East West Shrine Week, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Because if I mean, because you could hear negative things too, right? About that type of stuff. But the thing that Brandon Joseph did really well throughout his career, even though it was madly inconsistent, is that he forced a lot of turnovers, man. He had 10 interceptions during his three-year career, right? So if you're not making flash plays in that setting, I'm like, oh man, you're not even making the flash plays that I need you to make, right? Like, where's the interceptions? Where's the pass breakups? Just a lack of impact is like the maddening thing about a Brandon Joseph, and it just seemed like he was just kind of going through the motions. Well, if you're going to go through the motions during your final year at Notre Dame, you better kick the kick butt in the pre-draft process. Like, you better go to East-West and kill it. You better go to the Combine and kill it, or else people are going to look at the 2022 film and say, man, you were good for two games. You weren't good yeah. for the other seven that you played or whatever it was. Like, it's- And why are you returning punts in that game, but you couldn't play defense? Exactly. I mean, those are questions I'm going to want to ask him. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Two guys that didn't get invited, Ryan, as we wrap this up. I'm somewhat surprised by one, not surprised, and, and but I, and I'm very surprised by the other. The one that I'm not overly surprised by, to be honest with you, is Jason Adamiola. Uh, I think that when you look at what we, you and I talked about this before the season, Jason's going to have some really good film. He's got tools to work with, but yep. there's two issues. Number one, size, and number two, his production never matched the flash. Yep, and and you know he just. It just never got better. Did some things at the was he in the NFL PA Bowl? NFL right, PA. When he was in. Yep. Had some really good things we saw on film, and then there's some other things that maybe weren't so great that you don't really want to hear about a guy like him. But for him not to get invited to the Shrine Bowl, Ryan, uh, I mean to the Combine, I think is a uh, it's not the end all be all at the end of the day, but it matters. I mean, it says a lot about kind of how he's viewed by the scouting industry at this point in time. So. He's going to – it puts a lot more emphasis on him for the pro day. But yes. you weren't overly surprised by that one um, mm. based on the conversation you and I had before the show? I I would say this, Brian. I So there was – for context, there was 51 defensive linemen, I believe, invited to the combine this year. I will be very honest about this. Of the list I saw, I do think Jason Aramalola is a better football player than a few guys that are on that list. I mean, just flat out, right? But the perception is the reality, right? And I think that we can deduce there's some tells in the NFL draft space, right? The Senior Bowl is the top of the top senior all-star game. Then there's the East-West Shrine game that plays out in Vegas. Then it's the NFL PA Bowl that's out in Pasadena, California. Just because you got invited to one of those top three doesn't mean necessarily you're going to get an invite to the Combine, but I do think that it's telling that all the guys that even though I would say a couple of them, I think that Jason is better than, and Jason had a nice week out in Pasadena, and we talked about it. I you know, wrote, did a write-up on it on the message board of force.irishbreakdown.com. Like, I thought he performed well. But all the players that I kind of questioned, you know, I think Jason's better than that guy, they got invited to the East-West Shrine game. They got invited to the Senior Bowl. Those the games, the rosters are made. I know we, you know, we we look at Jim Nagy and we look at Eric Galco and like all those guys as if they're the ones really putting these rosters together. It's who the NFL teams say they want to see. That's how those rosters are created, right? So I, I wasn't overly surprised just because the minute that I saw Jason did not have an East West or a Senior Bowl invite, I'm like, he's going to be a fringe player as far as a combine invite. It's going to be fringe just based on the numbers. So it's unfortunate. Is it a does it mean that he can't get drafted? It's not what it means. Does not mean. I mean, would you say eighty players were drafted that weren't at a at the combine or something? There was last only thirty two. Thirty two. The, the yeah, eighty so. was. It's like eighty to ninety. I think is something like that. Is the stat yeah. tweet I saw of guys who went to the combine that did not get drafted. 
Right. Because, I mean, easy number? math is 262 players were drafted last year. 319 players were invited to the combine, right? So there's a bunch of players. Then you subtract the 32 that weren't there, that kind of thing, right? Exactly. So it's not an end-all, be-all. Because, again, there was 32 players that were still drafted last year that did not get a combine invite. So this isn't like a, a an well, end-all, be-all for Jason. No chance now. getting dra- Right, exactly. 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 And, I mean, also, if if he does not get drafted at all, that is also not the end-all be-all, right? Like Jason right. Adebolo is still going to get a chance to come into a camp and impress. Like those opportunities are going to be there. But I wasn't overly surprised. You know, I think that there's a lot – you're going to hear a lot of rumors from here on out in draft season. You know, this guy's being viewed this way. This guy – this team loves this guy. Most of it is smokescreen stuff, and right? agents Most are going to be telling true. everyone, oh, my guy's viewed it here. No, no. Yes. The, and at the end of the day, these pre-draft events tell the story. Right, a player gets invited to the NFLPA Bowl doesn't get a combine invite. That tells you we were once hopeful that Jason Amolo was maybe a top 150 type of player, yeah. possibly probably, with a good senior year jumping into day two. Yeah, but he's he's a borderline. Most likely, based upon all the tea leaves, it's probably a fringe draftable player right now. Maybe sneaks into the back end of the th- of day three, maybe PFA. Like, th- what does I, he I have to do the rest of this process? I mean, obviously, the combine's going to – I mean, the pro day will be impactful now. That's going to be huge yes. for him. He's got to put up really good athleticism and strength numbers. But I think the other thing, too, is he's going to have to really knock it out of the park in his conversations with with teams. Yep. Because I think there's some of those questions that have arisen from his time at Notre Dame and then also from things that you heard from different scouts and people that were part of the, the uh, NFLPA Bowl about yep. just – some of those different aspects of it. So as you said, it's not the end all be all. There's plenty of things he can do to help himself, but he's going to have to really thrive in the, at the pro day. And he's going to have to really thrive when it comes to meeting teams. He's going to have to really buckle down and say, Hey, what do I got to do to put my best foot forward as a person to get this role? The interesting thing is if he doesn't get drafted, then there's a, at least a chance that him and Justin could, could maybe sign with the same team. That's very true. I'm not saying that as a joke. I mean, that's, they have the same agent too. So Yeah. yeah, So it'll sense. be interesting. It'll it be will interesting. be. I, I would say this, Brian, the biggest things, because you hit on one already, the pro day should be very well attended this year from the NFL mm-hmm. side of things. Because last year you had Kyle, right? I mean, that's one big, big name. But this year you have four guys that are going to the combine, right? Four interesting names. There's a little bit more of a volume of potential draft picks in this draft than it was last year for Notre Dame. You know, you had Kyle and then it was like, does Kevin Austin get drafted? Does Jack Cohn get drafted? Neither of them did at the end of the day. So you look at that, and I think that the the pro day for Notre Dame will be very well attended, which is great for Jason. Because the one thing about Jason, I'll say, I don't think either of us have ever questioned his talents, right? I think no. he's gonna, I think no. he's gonna blow things up at yeah. the pro day, man. I guarantee his numbers are stupid nutty. Like I, I bet he runs fast. I bet he jumps pretty high. I bet that he bench presses a lot because he's I'd a be very surprised strong. If, his, if his short area numbers aren't really, really impressive too. I mean, he just got yep. really good quickness. But the thing that hurt Jason, as we said, it comes down to size and production. The production never matched the the flash. Like, man, I watched this guy play, and he just it really impressed me with this, this, and this. And you're like, he had two tackles, no tackles for yep. loss, and no sacks, no pressure. You know what I mean? It just was, it was, it was strange watching him play but he he needed a big jump this year now part of it is he he played through injuries all year that's part of it i'm sure that'll some teams will be impressed by that as they learn more about him like hey this kid played through a lot this year right that's going to factor into it 
but that's what that's why this process is so important for him. Putting context into that production or lack thereof is yep. something that potentially could help him. Hey, you know, I, we I, I'm ahead. also looking forward to because he measured in at six three and an eighth, so a little bit taller than I thought. And then he also had 33 plus inch arms, which was a pretty solid number for him, right? A 79 inch wingspan. So some of the length stuff did check out, which was good to see. The one thing that you talked about, though, Brian, is last spring when NFL evaluators went through, he weighed in at 276 pounds. That's what NFS had him at. He was 284 during during NFL PA Bowl week, so he gained about eight pounds. It's great to see. Can he be more in the 290-plus range? I think that that number would be fantastic if he could get there and he maintains athleticism. If he does, man, like he's got a shot. Yeah, right? I don't he's see talented. that. I, I yeah. think he needs to stay at that 284, 285 and flash. And then, in the, you know what I mean? Because I – I just don't think he's a 290-plus pound guy with that athleticism. I I think for me, because if we're talking about a guy that's going to be a, a day three guy, yeah. you're looking for a guy that people are looking at to be a rotation guy. And I can live with a rotation guy that's 5'10 pounds too light if he's really twitchy and explosive. And so I think for me, for him, yeah. uh, this I, I could be wrong here. I'm just giving my opinion, looking at it from mm-hmm. a coaching standpoint. For If I'm him, I'm focused more on – you got to be at least 280. You can't have the seven in the middle of your number. You, you can't. <laughs> right. I don't care how fast you are. You can't. But if you have an eight in your at the middle of your weight, and then you go do really well in the testing, I think that's where he could catch people's attention, as opposed to maybe getting up to 290 and then not testing as well. I think would be the thing for me. Because as a rotation guy, okay, I don't need him to play more than 10 snaps a game, but he's going to be really twitchy and athletic in those 10 snaps. And that's where I think a team may say, hey, we, we, we like this guy because we, we think he can come in and give us some pass rush production. And, and I think another big thing is that, you know, he'll have the opportunity to talk to some scouts, you know, at the pro day and throughout the process. You all talk about the top 30 visits that, you know, teams will bring him in for those, you know, in-house visits, those organizational visits. And I think that, again, he's a player that not to the same degree as Brandon Joseph, because it's much more of a hard question for Brandon. But for Jason, I would have a legitimate conversation. Be like, Jason, you're incredibly talented, man. Very talented football player. Why were you not more productive the last two years? Yeah. Have that conversation. And yeah. then let's hear what the answer is. You know, you're going to be asked tough questions in this process. I think Jason will be able to answer those because I do think he's a well-spoken kid from every time Very I've smart. heard him. Smart. Very I, smart. I've heard him speak. So he has to have those answers and he has to show out during the testing. If he does, he'll have a shot. The guy that I was actually surprised more that wasn't invited to the combine was Tariq Bracey. Just because, number one, I, I think it's very obvious he's athletic. He had a very good season this year, and he's played a ton of football. And there was a lot of DBs in, in this. So I'll be honest with you, Ryan, I was a little bit more surprised he wasn't there. Not that I was shocked by it, but of the two, I was more surprised that he wasn't there. So this puts a lot of emphasis on him at the pro day now. He has, yeah. and now he's a guy that I think too could really surprise some people at the pro day. I think Tariq's going to put up really fast numbers at the pro day. I mean, we've been told this for years that Tariq Bracey is one of the fastest players on the team. Now yep. we'll see if he can go show that at the pro day or not. Yep. That's going to be interesting. And that's the speed numbers will be very important. I mean, those short area numbers are going to be even more important, right? Because he's a true nickel, a nickel at the next level. Yeah. Yep. He's not going to be viewed as an outside corner all the time because he's just not going to be long enough. He's not going to be big. Yeah, enough, no, no one's drafting him for that. It's special teams and and the nickel slot. upside. Yeah. Yep. So if he's able to show those those athletic profile, he's got a shot. He's another kid that the medicals need to check out, right? Like he's had a little bit of durability stuff. 
it's 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 interesting one because I also think Tariq had a really nice season. I mean, we talked about it. We spoke his praises all year for the season he had, but he wasn't invited to the senior. He wasn't invited to the shrine. He wasn't invited to NFL PA. And I don't even think he was at like the hula bowl or NFL or um, uh, college ground showcase or any of those all-star games. So I don't know if there's just a, I don't know if there's obviously question marks over the size and the durability stuff. I don't know, but regardless, again, similar to what I said with Jason, there's going to be a lot of scouts in attendance at Notre Dame Pro Day. And if he knocks some socks off, it only takes one team to look at him and say, hey, man, you might not get drafted, but you will get a nice little signing bonus on a P- on a priority free agent contract. Like, we can give that to you, right? So he'll be in a camp. He'll have an opportunity. Probably not a draftable football player because of a couple, you know, inconsistencies throughout his career durabilities and the size. Yep. All those things together might prevent him from getting drafted, but it only takes one team to see him at the pro day and be like, Oh, okay. I might need to go back and watch the film a little bit more on Tariq Bracey. 